Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the second hour of Ghost Chronicles Radio's Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me is my co-host, the lovely blonde bombshell herself, Anne Carrigan. Good evening, everybody. Happy That's- almost St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, stop posting stuff in there because that pops up and irritates my screen. Oh, I'm so sorry to be yeah, cheerful be. in the chat. Yeah. I'm s- I am just apologize. Can't stand charity. I mean, cheerfulness. That's, that's... Oh, I know. I'm, yeah, I'm, jeez, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just don't let it happen again. But anyways. Right. Yes. So anyways, I am really, really excited to speak to our guest tonight. Me uh, too. I, I've been <laughs> dying to have her on on uh she is uh the director of oh my god i'm not gonna say this one the museum national museum of funeral funeral what history oh thank you funeral history she is uh genevieve keeney did i get that right you did yay he did it (laughs) can i just call you i know the museum Yes, the museum's name is a mouthful, and mine is the second mouthful. So yeah. No, 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 your name is fine for normal people, but I'm not normal, so I, I blame me. Mm-hmm. Everybody oh, else okay. will anyway. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for joining us. By the way, I really, really, we are really excited about having yeah. you on tonight. And uh, oh, thanks for having I, me. I'm excited as well. I've been looking at your, uh, I don't know, your biography. Mm-hmm. And it's simply amazing. You uh, education, bachelor of science, psychology. Uh, that's from the University of of uh, Maryland. Associate degree in applied science. Called Institute of Funeral Licensed Funeral and Bomber. I need one of those. Certified bereavement <laughs> counselor. Uh, certified. What the heck is that? Palliative care. Palliative care. Yes, the care that you give people uh when they are terminally ill it's like hospice like hospice right oh god i've never seen that word before it's a yeah it's a new how would i say it's a a new opportunity of care for people who may have a little longer to live than what makes them eligible for hospice care so to give them a little bit more of a quality of life while they're still kind of like dealing with their terminal illness, but death is not as close in palliative as it is hospice. Okay. Uh, I also see that you were involved with the military. So yes. were you, so you were a commissioned officer. God bless you. Uh, non-commissioned officer. Yes, I was. Yeah, yes, same thing. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not no. Really? You have a commissioned officer and you have a non-commissioned officer. Non-commissioned officer is the backbone of the military. Yeah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> you, you took that as an insult. I understand. Of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, did you grow up in a 
a funeral family. <laughs> I guess that's the way to say it. Uh, no, actually, I did not. Um, I did not have any funeral directors in my family. I, it was just uh, something that came to me when I was seven years of age. When I was, um, you know, when you're young, you you have a curfew for bedtime, and mm-hmm. uh, I was in bed, but still not quite asleep. And I could hear the news in the other room on the television, and I had heard a story of them finding an unfortunate dead infant and. At that young of an age, I was like, what is that? What does that mean? What does that mean? And so in that moment, uh, a seed of profound curiosity was planted. Mm-hmm. And it was a seed that I, you know, I really sought to nurture throughout my entire life. And I just didn't know what all the ingredients were uh, to make this seed grow. And now looking back on it, I found all the proper nutrients because here I am today. I guess you have. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> Running really, the National Museum of Funeral History. Yeah, you really had a calling at a very yeah. young age. And mm-hmm. that's amazing. I mean, people spend their whole lives uh, really not sure <laughs> if, true. if they're in the right path. And you just, bam, you knew it. Yeah. And, you know, interesting enough, there's a lot of people in our industry that can tie back their interest uh, in this industry to childhood. Mm. Mm. So it's almost like, I mean, unless they were, how would I say it, a generational uh, funeral director, meaning Mm. their father, grandfather, great-grandfather were all funeral directors, Mm -hmm. um, they usually know early on. Wow. That's That's amazing. <laughs> His phone calls from the dead. Yeah. Call home to the dead. Oh yeah. No worries. Yeah. I love the I love the informality of all of this. It's just kind of nice to flow. It's <laughs> oh, totally great. This 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 show is one thing. It's inform informal. That's oh yes. Oh oh awesome. We, we just stumble yep. along and and Good. get through it. <laughs> love for, it. There's love no it. game plan whatsoever. Whatsoever. For, been doing radio for over 20 years now, and I still can't pronounce anybody's name. I still have a terrible <laughs> voice. I still mess up everything, but somehow I'm still here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, Genevieve, when I was reading uh, oh, your that's, bio. That's a, that's a sexy name, by the way. Of, oh, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm getting a flashback of, uh, you know, the Adams family. At, uh, oh, Oh, yeah. God. Every time she spoke French, remember? <sighs> Morticia? Are you, talking about, are you talking about Morticia herself? Yeah, Morticia. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that Morticia? <laughs> and you're a mortician. Wow. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Ron, can I ask my question? Yeah, please do. Thank you. Here. Boy, did you <laughs> jump off the rails. Okay. So, when I was reading your bio, I saw that while you were in the Army, and I guess you were you were in Germany as well. You were part of a death reaction team, and I, I, I what is that? I I had a big question on that. What is that? Um, it's basically a team that deploys um, in a moment's notice when there's a death in our community. Um, so when you're in a foreign country, um, they're the host nation and we're Americans in their country and we have our, uh, we have to be able to 
take care of our own uh, American citizens mm-hmm. in a foreign country. And when there's a death of an American citizen in a foreign country, there's a lot of, I guess, um, you know, customs that you have to go through uh, mm-hmm. to get the, the death certificate done and get the body transported back to the United States. And so it requires um, a level of logistics, if you will, that you need to fine tune because mm-hmm. in the military, every three to four years, people transition out. And so to have that continuity of a, a form of the um, getting a body back to the U.S., the, we kind of created this team because there really wasn't something there to, to, to grasp and say, oh, okay, this is what you have to do. So mm-hmm. really we had like our first death and uh, mm. all of us were just kind of looking at each other like, what do we do? How do we do this? And oh. so I create, I, and I just said, you know, we're just going to have to follow these, the body all the way through until they get on the plane to go back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. to include communicating with the funeral home back in the U.S. Um, to find out what we have to do and wrote up the SOP for it. And so now it's one of those things that can be easily handed down to, you know, whoever transitions in. Uh, to the um, installation next and just say, okay, this is what we call now the death reaction team. This is everything you need to do when there's a death in our community. Because it's very rare that you would have a death in the community because we have to go through rigorous health um, exams Mm -hmm. in order to go to a foreign country to be deployed over there to include the family members. Um, They have to be, you know, pretty healthy to be, you know, deployed and or stationed Mm -hmm. in a foreign country. Uh, to kind of decrease the opportunity of a death happening, but death does happen. Right. And um, it was rare. Mm-hmm. And so we were all kind of new to it, the process. And uh, I learned an awful lot. And uh, so that's what we did. When an American soldier or an American citizen, be it a wife, family member that came over to visit, died in Germany at the time, it was Germany or any you know foreign country, but Germany right. was the country. Mm-hmm. We would deploy... Uh, to, you know, ensure that we obtain custody of the American once the Lurkman National Country uh, gave up possession um, because they're an American. They gave them to us. We handled all the paperwork and got them back to the U.S. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. And that's so important. I mean, you know, that's the highest priority, you know, to get your loved one back. Ever. Yeah, and, and and you definitely, there's, you know, unfortunately, but people don't realize that, you know, when somebody passes away, there's a lot of logistics that have to take place. Mm-hmm. And take, for example, um, buying a house. Mm-hmm. When you go to buy a house, you already know you're going to be faced with a lot of paperwork, a lot of choices, a lot of decisions. And usually that stuff can take 30 to 60 days. Right. From the time you've decided to buy the house to the time you decide to close on a house. And, you know, you might do that, you know, a couple of times in your lifetime. Right. Um, But a death is something that we don't always experience. And unfortunately, when we do, we only have two or three days to, like, make all these questions, get all these questions answered. Yeah. And it's such a short amount of time. And then throw into it the whole shock and grief aspect of it, the emotional turmoil that the loved ones are in. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to think through that if a death right. was 
unexpected, but even if a death is expected, you're still not prepared for the emotions that come along with it. And so, uh, yeah. And, and now I'm at, we're asking you to make all these decisions within a week time mm-hmm. frame, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, it's, it's a lot to, to deal with. And, yeah. you know, I always encourage people and when they come to the museum, the museum is an opportunity to be in a neutral environment, to open up your mind, your thought process to one of the most guaranteed things in life, which mm-hmm. is death, which will yeah. happen to us all, mm-hmm. both y'all and myself. Mm-hmm. One day. Oh, I don't know about me. <laughs> well, I'm it sounds sure. like you might, you might come back in another, uh, another form, more of an <laughs> energy type, right? <laughs> well, my, what's my Facebook say? I'm 108 last week. Something yeah, so, like that. Oh. Yeah. He's immortal. I don't know. Oh, well, we all could be so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, but anyways. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, so. You, uh, I mean, you also have a degree in psychology. I assume mm-hmm. that 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 is uh, that helps in, in uh, you know, uh, bereavement and and so forth to understand. Uh, it under- yeah, it helps to understand the power of the mind and also the power of grief and their physiological and psychosocial effects on the body. Right. Which can manifest a lot of things that we never even realized. Right. And, and death is handled differently by different people. I mean, you know, the, the people, you, yeah, you get people that, you know, crying constantly and you get people that don't shed a tear. Right. It's not that they don't love the person who died any less or any more. It's how they handle the situation. Well, yeah, there's no textbook way to grieve. There's, of course, the uh, Kubler-Ross's five stage of grieving, which, you know, is a good guide for people who want to understand the grieving process or why they might feel what they're feeling at a certain time of, of that grieving process. But it doesn't say that I'm going to do step one and then I'm going to do stage two and then I'm going to do stage three. You know, it doesn't you might do stage three and then go back to stage one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just kind of gives you a familiarity of what one goes through. Most people do go through the stages, uh, transition through them uh, in order, but then there's people that don't. Mm-hmm. And people, uh, you know, incorporate their religion, their cultural beliefs, yep. and that helps them also uh, through the death process. Mm-hmm. Even their upbring- upbringing as well as their, their environment they grew up in, whether, you know, I mean, for instance, uh, uh, back in the day, you know, uh, men were men, you know, they weren't allowed to cry it or anything like that. And so that affects them uh, as well. But if you don't mind, I have a few more questions before we get on to the museum, if if you're OK with that. Sure. I, I know I did. Oh, have yeah. you. So um, you have. So have you embalmed somebody? Oh, yes. OK, well, I had to be sure. I just don't want to give false information. <laughs> so. <laughs> so there, there are. I mean, there are stories out there where, uh, you know, for instance, there's the monks in uh, uh, Italy there that that uh, tomb where all the the mummies are, and uh, there's a girl in there who has an age, and of course you have Stalin who has an age, and supposedly these doctors that embalm these people had these cigarettes 
uh, ingredients or whatever. And, and of course, they always took it to their grave. Nobody else ever gets the stupid thing. But uh, <laughs> I mean, have you ever heard of anything like that where, where people have not aged as, as uh, the same rate as other people? Well, I, aging is the process of when we're alive. Okay. All right. You got me there. Or decay. That's or, a better word. You know, that's the better word to yeah. refer to this. That. Um, so, I don't know what what most people don't realize, and I get this question sometimes: is well, if I get embalmed, how long will I, you know, be last. able to be preserved? <laughs> yeah, how long right? will last? <laughs> and I said, well, it all depends. And what people may not understand is there's several factors that go into preservation. One is the embalming process. Two is the condition of your body prior to embalming. Did you have a disease that might interfere with the chemicals that were utilizing in the embalming process? Oh, yeah. uh, do you have arteriosclerosis where your arteries are clogged and I just can't see that? And, you know, the embalming fluid doesn't always reach all the way to the big toe, per se. Um, therefore, there may be some areas within your body that don't get properly embalmed as the rest of your body. But that's just one aspect. The next one is going to be what type of burial container are you in? Mm-hmm. Are you in a, in a, in a air sealed gas gasketed casket where it actually seals together like a, free, a refrigerator door, right? It, it literally has that gasket seal so that when you shut the lid, it comes together just like a kind of like a refrigerator. You don't feel the air going in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, there, and was, then, was, excuse me for a minute. Wasn't there yeah. uh, a coffin that was dug up on the parking lot in New York? It was a lead coffin. There was a, a girl in it, and they they could they couldn't understand what it was. Uh, but they had made these special lead coffins at the time at that house, and and she had uh, pox or something, and so they put her in that, and she actually survived. Uh, her body didn't decay as, as much as it should have because it, it occurred during the Civil War. By the time they got to it, they thought it was a fairly, uh, you know, comparative why a fairly recent death. So those those conditions, I understand that now because you're talking about 100 years ago versus, uh, you know, today's modern things. So, uh, you know, that's that's interesting where it's, even the coffin makes a difference. Yes, the coffin does make a difference how it's sealed. And those metal coffins that you're referring to could be the Fisk caskets that they had. Or yes, they were. Absolutely. The yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. And that's what they predominantly used during the Civil War. Very heavy metal. Uh, it was completely sealed. Um, and so there was a good chance that, okay, one, she has the heavy metal casket. And then another element that I was going to tell you about is the, uh, the environment, the temperature. So mm-hmm. if the environment is like very cold, like in New York, the ground gets pretty cold in the wintertime. Uh, she's in a metal container. The metal will uh, hold on to that cold air and cause an, a, a cooling effect of the body. Um, so colder the air, the more preservation opportunities that are going to exist. The hotter the air, of course, then it will lead to more opportunity for decomposition to uh, begin to take effect. So you've got the environment, you've got the other things in the environment besides temperature is moisture, uh, how much moisture is in the air. Um, and then if you... Uh-oh. Oh. No. No, 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 no. Oh, crap. We lost her. Roy, we lost uh, our guest. Can you bring it back for us? All right. That was interesting at the time. That's weird. Ah, oh, damn. 
All right. So, uh, well, Wes, it's really interesting. I know I'm hanging on the edge of my seat here. I'm like, what, what, what's next? <laughs> oh, what happened? I don't know. Uh, she's interesting. And we're talking with uh, Genevieve, Genevieve. Keeney of the National uh, Museum of Funeral. We were. History. And, and uh, hopefully we can get her back. All right. Okay. All right. So uh, let's let's carry on anyway. So, uh, okay, here we go. He's going to get it back in a minute. So you, you got something planned for tomorrow? Oh, me for St. Patrick's Day? Yeah. Probably going to find a local pub. Maybe we'll go up to Ye Old Standish Grill. I don't know. <laughs> what? You're not, you're not yeah. having uh, an Irish? Yeah, he, uh, hey, I'm back. I'm Yay! back. I don't know what happened. Oh, Got no. a lot of technology. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we were like so enthralled and listened, and all of a sudden it was like, ah, what? What? <laughs> She's good. She's good. I hope we didn't like leave too many people on the edge of their seat, like <laughs> paying attention, and then all of a sudden it's gone. They're like, no. Well, I'm yeah. trying to find out what comes up next. That's all right. It's a paranormal <laughs> show, so this happens. Okay, so we'll blame it all on the spirits, the ghosts. Yeah, there you go. They are playing. Now, I do believe that they play with technology. Nah. They play with the electronics. So <laughs> you probably have a couple of them that hung up the telephone on us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway. Uh, way too many is, secrets. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it bombing a... A new procedure. When when did embalming really come about for you know most everyone? Um, so the embalming was aware was around in other countries um, prior to it coming to America. In America, it um, became a practice during the Civil War. Okay. So in the late 1800s, mm -hmm. uh, and Dr. Thomas Holmes is the father of our father of American embalming meaning that's when the embalming came to America. He was a chemist. He understood how to create some chemicals that uh, allowed us to put into the human body to preserve, kind of like doing the opposite of what the Egyptians did. The Egyptians' goal in what we would consider embalming uh, was to remove moisture from the body. Ours was is to put moisture into the body. So oh. Yeah, because so, we, we introduced a chemical into the body through the vein, uh, utilizing the normal circulatory system of the body uh, to, to introduce the chemical. So what happens to the blood once you drain it and put the bowel fluid in? Okay, so um, interesting enough and contrary to popular belief, we do not, we are not able to get out every drop of blood. That's just impossible because your blood okay. goes as far as to your capillaries. And so mm -hmm. basically what we're doing is uh, replacing whatever amount of blood is within your vein, currently in your veins and arteries when you pass away. Mm -hmm. And so if you imagine when, if I'm going to push, if you imagine a hose, right. And mm -hmm. if I'm pushing some fluid in that hose, whatever's already in that hose is going to come out the other end. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. And, and then, so that's what I'm doing. I'm putting the fluid in and, and getting the blood out of the hose. Uh, and I, again, I won't get every drop out. My goal though, is to put it into your body so that it will begin to, um, we, we massage it to where it'll kind of like go into the capillaries of your body, right. uh, and okay. so that the, it gets absorbed really. 
and um, and then it causes the preservation. So there's, there's ah. a mixture of blood and the embalming chemical within your blood, but it's mm-hmm. the embalming chemical that creates the preservation. Mm-hmm. And oh, retards okay. comp- it, it's retarding decomposition. It doesn't keep it from happening because in order to keep decomposition from happening, as you were talking about earlier, you have got to ha- you've got to have all the right elements. You have to have the right container. You have to have the right temperature control, airflow, uh, environment. All of those factors have to be right in order for that body to maintain preservation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, maybe you can either tell me if this is true or not, but it's always, uh, in fact, I think it's in one of my books, uh, is that uh, when Abraham Lincoln uh, died and they transported his body to uh, Illinois, uh, they put him on a train and they, but he wasn't embalmed. They did have a mortician with him. And no, he was embalmed. He was, he, he was, was one of the first, yeah, he was one of the first ah, presidents see. to be embalmed. Um, they utilized that technique. They, you know, they had it, it just had started in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they bombed him. I mean, the of course, the technique of embalming that time had not been as perfected as it is it today. Yeah, but thank you. That's a really good word uh, to use. And um, so he was embalmed and they would uh, occasionally the embalmer uh, rode with him so he could do touch ups along the way, ah, you know, okay. oh. because he didn't have, you know, the proper refrigeration. Right. And again, the practice was still so new that they didn't know the extent of its abilities, you know, mm-hmm. to what? encompass the nine day train journey. Was his son in, embalmed? Uh, Willie was not embalmed, uh, oh. but Willie preceded him in death by three years. And Willie right. did ride the train. So if anyone exactly. is listening to this podcast, that is a trivia question you get if you're on a tour. Now somebody will know the answer. No, oh, I'm sorry. We, we actually have to no, take a break. that's now. good. <laughs> We're coming up to the break. Anyways, uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron right here on Tojanet RX Radio and all your favorite uh, broadcast uh, podcast formats. Uh, we'll be oh up to. We're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrick Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts. Our very big, very good friends on Patreon, Ghost Chronicles Radio. We'll be right back. you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. 
The other is Stephen Parsons, and he is a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ian and our very special guest this evening, Genevieve Keeney from the National Museum of Funeral History. Welcome back, Genevieve. Thank you. You're welcome. So, so it's been felt so fascinating, but we better talk about the museum. Yes, we need to talk about dying to talk about the museum. Come on. <laughs> so what what exactly is the uh National Museum of Funeral History. Well, it's a it's a museum that basically helps people understand the process of caring for the dead. It helps to get them to better understand our profession. Uh, caring for the dead is one of man's oldest professions. Uh, if you think about it, we care for the dead the begin the moment we begin living. Uh, but as time has you know, moved on. We have perfected our techniques uh, in. Oh no! Not again! She's not again! Oh no! Oh no! Uh, Roy, call her back. Roy, Roy, Roy! Oh my goodness! Oh man! The ghost is in the machine tonight, man. It must be the leprechauns, Ron. I have no idea. I, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have ticked off those Irish leprechauns. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I, I I just want to say though, uh, so I've been looking at this website, and I'm in the gift shop right now. I know I saw the <laughs> gift shop. I'm like, there's a gift shop. Yes, it's exciting to me. I'm like, I want to know what they sell there first of all, mm-hmm. but they they have 16 permanent exhibits, and they they all look so cool. And uh, like every one of them has like a little video. Sorry. Hello. Oh. I'm back. We were just in your gift. We were in your gift shop. Poking around in your gift shop. Oh, good. Genevieve, well, I think we, it's we, the leprechauns are messing with us tonight. That's what's happening. Yes. Yes. They're getting ready for tomorrow, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> So, no, the museum is a fascinating place. Um, People all the time think it's morbid, it's macabre, it's creepy, until they walk in the door. And then they're just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I didn't expect all of this. And it's it's a really, truly awesome place to, to, to visit if you're a history buff, to visit if you love cars, because we have a fascinating collection of cars. Mm, um, yes. Our automobiles are, you know, very pristine. Uh, we have all different makes and models. Of course, they're hearses. We have a couple right. of family cars. We have some horse drawns. We have some sleighs. Oh, um, wow. yeah, they're really fascinating. You, know, you gotta remember, I mean, people died back in the day when it was cold and snowing outside, so right. uh, you couldn't get the horse and bucky through the snows. But uh, 
you could still go and pick up the casket and uh, the body and remove them. So, um, yeah, it's just a fascinating place to really come in and see how we celebrate one's life through a time-honored tradition known as a funeral. Mm. And, and this, uh, Ed was just saying before, after we left you, you have 16 permanent exhibits. Yes, we do. Uh, we have 16 permanent exhibits. We're always working on new ones. I'm currently working on one, um, the Shroud of Turin, the most famous burial <gasps> of all time. Uh, you know, I, ha- I have a replica of that. You do? Oh, yes. well, we're going gonna- to... I've done lectures wow. on that. You have them as well? Oh, my gosh. Yes, I, I've met some fascinating people. The Bible Museum just opened theirs, uh, and theirs is uh, temporary, and ours is going to be permanent. And we, oh, wow. Um, are the first museum outside of a church that's been authorized by the Bishop of Turin to have a certified copy of the trout. So you have the full, full one, the 14-foot one? We will, yes. Mm-hmm. Wow, I, I only have yeah. I only have half, so I have the. Oh the point, no, we're point. going to have it's going and it's it's woven on. Well, the image, I'm sorry, is laser printed on the authentic flaxseed cloth. Awesome. And so we're really excited to have that and showcase and, it in our museum and, with the exhibit. The amazing thing about that too is that if you uh, you look at it and then if you take a picture of it, the picture actually comes in clearer. It's it's it, it's amazing, absolutely it amazing does. stuff. It, yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. And oh, like I say, you so, have to step back to really see it. It's mm-hmm. pretty fascinating. I remember the first time I ever looked at it, I didn't know what I was looking at. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> what am I seeing? But yeah. then once I learned more about it, and I've been on this journey now since 2019, COVID was kind enough to put a, uh, you know, road bump in it. But um, yeah, now it's, I can see it through and through. It's very, I don't know if it's just a psychological thing that I can see it better mm-hmm. um, because I've been, I've seen it so many times now. Um, but yeah, we're really excited about that. And we got yeah, a new I, website coming up. I had so, the, yeah. I've, I had the opportunity too to see a religious order had uh, a exact right with the fourteen foot one, and uh, yeah, that, it's 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 a it's an amazing story whether you believe it's the burial cross of Christ or not. It's uh, an important just the 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 cloth itself and 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 all the uh, the work and scientific study it has done to it. It's it's simply amazing stuff. Exactly, and you know if you think about it, there's a lot of part of there's a lot of things in our life that is left up to belief, right? Yeah. Um, what happens to us after we die? Everyone believes differently, right? Absolutely. And is your belief based on your religion? Is your belief based on historical customs and traditions? What part of the world you come from? You know, it's just what everyone has their own belief. And the same goes to, do we believe in ghosts? Do we believe in the afterlife? Do we believe that this is the cloth that very, that, that, uh, in, uh, was encased around Jesus's body and he re- resurrected and rose through the cloth. So it's really fascinating that all of these. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh man. Poor Can thing. She's just going to be like, Oh, I'm done with this show. Oh. I I wish I mean so this museum everyone it's in Houston Texas and yep 
it's a hike for us here in New England. But if I am ever down there, I am gonna I am gonna go to this place because oh, yeah. I, it I know. has I mean, so many fascinating exhibits. Um, I I would probably need to spend the whole day there. <laughs> oh, I, absolutely. I mean, we. I mean, the, you know this. This, I just look at I'm mean, looking at all the amazing stuff and at the history of cremation. I mean, I mean, all they have like, like she said, all oh, kinds of vehicles. I took I my phone off of Wi-Fi and make sure that it wasn't my Wi-Fi in my home doing anything crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I apologize. That's so we'll okay. see. <laughs> but I don't That's know. Right. We, we always was... we always crack it up to I mean you know rack it up to paranormal so you have no problem. I know. Oh, yes. good. <laughs> but I don't know if you had heard that, but there was one thing in common in all of that, and it's what do we believe in, right? right. right. Yes. Yeah. Now I noticed. Um, I mean, I I had a I've had an opportunity to see. Uh, uh, actually, I know somebody who has a death mask of one of the popes. And right. death masks were an important part of our process, grieving process in the early days, too. Uh, do you have any masks there at the museum? Uh, yes, we do have. Uh, we have a death mask of General Lee. Um, it's not on display oh. right now, but we do have it in the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, You're on the fire, have... did you say? I'm sorry? What did you say about the mask? It's under fire? It's the... Well, it's we don't have it on display, oh. but we do have it in the museum. Uh, the okay. death mask of General Lee. Uh, we have a, a replicated death mask of Abraham Lincoln. Oh wow! And we have a death mask of one of the popes. I just don't remember his name. I apologize. It leaves me now. But yes, there's a, actually, there was a lot of them. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot, and 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 when we were in mortician school, we actually were taught how to make death masks, even though we don't we don't hardly do them anymore. Um, but so because was, it's an yeah, go ahead. So what was the purpose of death death mask? Um, the purpose of the death mask was to capture the face of of the loved one, uh, almost like a portrait, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, to uh, almost like a, a like a momentum to preserve their look, preserve their memory. Wow, and and they also so now did I see you had a, a post mortem photography? Yep, exhibit that was the next step after as well? the death mess. <laughs> yes, right. yes, we do. Uh, it, it that talks about how uh, you know photography kind of like up there with the death masks, a way mm-hmm. of you know, mm-hmm. capturing the, the the existence of the life lived um, because it's always important. They always say we have two deaths in life. One is when uh, you physically die, and the other one is when the last person that knows who you are dies mm-hmm. because oh. now you have nobody to know you existed. Right. And so, you know, That's pictures sad. were, yeah, it is. And pictures were, uh, you know, an um, an opportunity for people to, um, basically mark that you were alive uh, right. to validate your existence, you know, and we st- we use them all the time now. Um, but death, postmortem photography um, helps to um, identify that or, or make that possibility. Right. And it's always so sad. And I look at it and I mean, there's every, you know, there's little babies, there's, you know, small children as well as adults. But you hate to think that, 
that was the last, probably the only picture, you know, mm-hmm. that was Yeah, and a lot picture. of times it is. Yeah, sometimes it is the only photo they have of them. You know, we, we yeah. take it so for granted now. Mm-hmm. But even just recently, I've been going through a lot of pictures um, because my, my sister-in-law is coming up on a milestone birthday. So I've been just pouring through old pictures and thinking how few pictures I have of like us as kids and, you know, I mean, I'm 58 years old, I'll admit it. So, you know, we didn't take a lot of pictures really. Mm -hmm. And compared to what we take now, we take pictures every day now. So yeah, it's such a, and you think when back then, like when they first invented photography, this was an amazing thing. And yeah, well, and, not and it was, I mean, look at what, look at what the photographer had to take with him. He had this big old tripod of a, of a, of a contraption mm-hmm. that, you know, was, you know, probably as big as a microwave nowadays yeah. you know, that he had to carry around with him and then get it all set up. And then every ball, you know, one bulb, one picture took one bulb, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and nowadays, could you imagine carrying around a tripod with a microwave every day to take a picture? No, no. <laughs> now now mean, we just whip out this little contraption that we have in our pocket yeah. and we take a picture. Yeah. You know, we take it for granted. Yeah, <laughs> we really, really do. And, um, you know, the people that needed to remember their loved ones at that time, I mean, and I'm sure it was expensive. They probably mm-hmm. it was scraped mm-hmm. every last penny together to get that picture. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it was children because, you know, children back then, uh, desi- you know, unfortunately disease, we didn't have the vaccination for, uh, childhood diseases like we do now. So children succumbed to a lot of illness back then. Right. Um, and you know, it was just one of those things. And, and another thing is, is that death, we were so much more closer in the dying and death process than we are now. It was a almost like a, a communal event, right? Everyone came mm-hmm. to help the family and care for the dead. Right. Um, we don't do that now. You know, it's, it's, you know, we, we depend on strangers to, to help us mm-hmm. with that process. And, and the know. interesting thing too is, is, you know, that the mourning period was much longer. I mean, I mean, growing up how long uh, funerals were, I mean, and, and viewings and everything. Now it's like slam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, exactly. it's, yeah. Yeah, it's you're, you. They one day, I mean, you're gone. It's, mm-hmm. but um, is that another? I'm sure you you aware of uh, jewelry and reefs made of uh, the hair of the deceased as well. Mm-hmm. Is that yes. something that's Some... in the museum as well? I'm sure it is. Oh yes, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have we have hair reefs and and hair jewelry. Um, and, and if you look at the detail in these, oh my gosh, the women that had the, the patience and the ability to finally craft these, these amazing works, I call them works of art. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were mementos that were given to the family members and or relatives of the deceased um, by taking, you know, locks of hair from, from the uh, deceased loved one and passing them on. Right. Uh, yeah, we have some fascinating um pieces of hair art and hair jewelry i mean i'm looking at it on the on the website and, and we'll have to put make sure this is on our website as well yes yeah uh, 
the the uh it's it's amazing some of the stuff you have in here so and there's the one there i don't i don't recall if it's on the website but it's a big black uh frame if you will they call it a hair wreath a generational <laughs> hair wreath oh and that was actually designed to be the frame that the hair was woven onto and <laughs> so it was passed down from generation to generation so you know you wouldn't utilize all the hair of one deceased you would just put like maybe the grandmother's hair might be a quarter of it and then the mother's hair when she passed away oh, wow. and yeah. you would just pass that wreath down from family member to family member and they would just continuously add the hair from the to it. wow yeah of family members yeah yeah oh no. fascinating I, wow. i'm looking at something that's really fascinating now and that's a money coffin what the heck is oh, that yeah. <laughs> i saw that <laughs> The heck is that? What that is called? You can take it with you when you die. (laughs) (laughs) How much money is in it? We all need to know. Uh, Oh, let's see. I think right now, oh, I I don't have. I want to say like eight hundred and something dollars is encased in it. Oh my god! And there's quarter, like there's quarters. So there's coins. There's there's bills. Zero dollars, quarters, nickels. Dimes, dollar bills, five dollar bills. Yeah, there's uh, all different kinds of money lined in it. There was a gentleman who was a collector of money. Uh, He was a coin collector. Like my father's a coin collector, so I can respect what this guy did in his life. Um, Mm -hmm. But he he literally had a casket lined with money encased with the acrylic, so it can be the money could float in the acrylic and still be seen. And so when he would go to trade shows, he'd take the casket and it was like a draw to his booth. You know? <laughs> and people could take pictures in it. It was fascinating. Oh, so got an awesome story. <laughs> that is yeah. crazy. And I mean, you just, you just like every single one of these exhibits is just so intriguing. I know the it. Day of the Dead, the Dia de los Muertos. I love, love, love that. Oh, love Sugar Skulls. Um and just all of it, um, George H.W. Bush, you have a memorial exhibit for him. They have the um, making, have every, making of a saint. Mm-hmm. So we have every president going all the way back to George Washington. So every president that has died to date is featured in our presidential exhibit. Oh, wow. um, and then our making of a saint is the kind of like the end, if you will, of our uh, celebrating the lives and deaths of the popes, which is mm-hmm. a behind-the-scenes look of the customs and rituals that they um, do at the Vatican when a pope is, dies and they bury the pope. And it's pretty fascinating because you know we have we were gifted um, some fascinating historical photos of Pope Benedict the Fifteenth, <laughs> and um, when we did, we did a fascinating uh, comparison of his funeral to. St. John Paul II, mm-hmm. um, which was in 2015. And it was fascinating. Did I have that day right? No, not 2015. Forgive me. Uh, tw- 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fascinating to see how in the Vatican, the rituals have stood the test of time. Whereas I like to say, well, if you go to the other part of the museum, then that's an international hall. If you go to what I call the American side, the uh, of funeral con- customs and conditions customs and traditions are consistently evolving and they're evolving based on what the consumers want mm-hmm. what their expectations See, are right. i actually have a good friend who uh got her thesis on papal funerals 
and uh, who oh, did her? Wow. Yeah, she wrote a book on her hardcover book on it. Uh, yep, yeah, she's the one that has the, the papal uh, death match as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. friend Wendy Reard. Well, I would love yeah. to talk with her. She's yeah, that would be an awesome. Uh, oh my goodness! Uh, you know, connection. Yeah. yeah. She's a she's interesting. She uh, also also wrote a another book besides the papal funerals. <laughs> oh which no! Was, don't, uh, tell her, don't tell her. Was, uh, <laughs> pole dancing for dummies. <laughs> she's a girl of many talents. That's yes, I can did. see that from one extreme to the other. <laughs> uh, she is very interesting. She is seriously. Um, no, she has a degree in what medieval history. Uh, wow. and she wrote a thesis on papal funerals. This huge book on the dead popes, mm. and she's very passionate about it. She knows it all. I'm telling you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would love to have lunch with her. That would be a fun conversation on on our working knowledge of of, of, because I had to do a lot of research just to build, you know, to help build the exhibit. You know. Oh wow! My 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 girlfriend who is Catholic, she always tells me you're the most non-Catholic Catholic Catholic I've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think you know more about the religion than I do. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah, I can always give you that information if you were interested. (laughs) Oh yeah, very. Yeah. Okay. I, I always love meeting new people. Mm. Oh, well. well, you won't say that after tonight's show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Anne, my co-host, is also an avid taphophile. She uh, explores cemeteries and, and documents uh, graves uh-huh. and so forth yeah, for uh, uh, quite a fun. few years now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, fun. and that's, a, that's, truthfully, that's a whole nother... Uh, niche in itself because mm-hmm. people don't realize it, but the 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 headstones and and the way they were written and how they've evolved over the years and what they mean that's really a whole field of study. Um, oh, and is. I'm in the industry, and there's so much knowledge there that I haven't even been able to wrap my head around it. You know, because everything means something. Yes, you know, so it, so you know, from much the shape symbolism. of the graves. To yep. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's amazing. One of the things that drew me into it, I mean, I just, uh, it's really an art form, the carvings. And I just, it just, I'm, I'm, I just love going to, especially where we live, we have the colonial era cemeteries. Ooh. And it's just, I love to photograph it. And then I'll see stones that have a story behind them. And I will, you know, sometimes the gravestone will have like how the person died on the gravestone. And then I have to start researching it. And it's kind of something I want to do a little book about. And it's amazing what you can find from a simple gravestone. Yep. Anywhere we go, we always have to go to a cemetery. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I was young, back in the day, when I had my, 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 when my seed was being nurtured, I would go and on the weekends when I would go have a picnic in the cemetery, because it was like only like three blocks from my house. Mm-hmm. And I literally would go picnic in the cemetery. Yeah. I never told anybody because back then they probably thought I was strange, but I would <laughs> oh. always search for the, my, my, my challenge was to find the oldest grave mm-hmm. stone headstone in there and the youngest, meaning who died the most recent, right? right. And then who died the, the 
most long time ago, if that's mm-hmm. even uh, the proper enunciation. And <laughs> then uh, who was the youngest, like who lived the least and then who lived the longest, you oh, know? So oh, wow. I was always, I was always, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Like you know, that. you know, the garden <laughs> cemeteries though, they, they were a place where people went and, and picnic, picnic, picnic and, there. And they, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the garden cemeteries. In fact, today cemeteries, a lot of them will have special events that they do there. They oh, even wow. had movies in the cemetery. So yeah, it's, it's, wow. uh, yeah, they do. They do a mm-hmm. lot of things in cemeteries now. They're the, I think that the, the veil is, uh, the veil is being lifted off the taboo behind death in so mm-hmm. many different ways. Definitely. And I think, you know, because we're, 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 we see it in our entertainment, we see it in the movies, we hear it in the news. It's on our, you know, our media platforms, our social media platforms. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. so accessible right. uh, to be, to hear and learn about death that I think it's important that we have the opportunity to have positive, um, celebrations in a cemetery, the oh, National sure. Museum of Funeral History, you know, some elements where people could be like, okay, I've heard about death. Now let me learn and understand a little bit more about it, but not to the way it's being delivered. Portrayed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm also a paranormal researcher and I, my, ah. whoops. My lovely co-host uh, gave me just recently for Christmas a Undertaker's <laughs> hat, and uh, yeah. so I'm very Is proud the, of that. The black, the black tall hat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a gift to me from one of the volunteers. I work at a public access studio, so we have uh, senior citizen volunteers, and her. It came from her family. And uh, they were funeral directors. All right, that, we do have to wrap it up. I know, but it's, it's got a teeny oh. tiny little head, so it fit Ron. And I'm like, I'm going to give this to you. Perfect. And oh. I also have uh, a collection from the Jacob Brothers Funeral Home in, oh, what place is it? It's out Midwest. But anyways, that was supposedly found in there. Uh, remains that were supposed to be buried or, or returned, and they were never. And so I have a collection from that uh, as well. But we do have to run, go. We have to run out of time. That went by very quickly. I know. Uh, we it really did. enjoyed talking with you. I, it's, I'm Thank sure you. it's not what you expected. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know what? In my line of work, expect the unexpected. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. I, it's just how it is. <laughs> but I love it. I love our conversation. I could probably talk to you all for another hour. Oh, um, <laughs> oh, maybe we'll have you back on again sometime. Absolutely. Yes. Well, definitely. I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate the opportunity to promote the museum. And which um, is excited. Where can people Where can people find out more about the museum, and where is it located? Um, it's located in the what we call North Houston. If you're familiar with Houston, it's in the North Houston. We're not in the museum district. We're um, uh, 415 Barron Springs Drive, Houston, mm-hmm. Texas 77090. Our website is www.nmfh.org, and we're really excited to announce that we are going to be offering a virtual tour of the National Museum, probably launching in April, where you can actually we are now out of time in the museum. Awesome. Okay, so check it out. We'll put it up on our website. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, You've been Genevieve, listening. thank you okay. so much. You've been listening Thank to you. Ghost Chronicles Next Generation right here on Tojanet Pararex Radio. 
and uh, stay tuned next year. We got to get it back again. That was that went by too way too fast. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. God bless and stay safe. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Happy St. Pat's. Yep. Cool. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.